Hello, I'm your host, Leonard Duncan. Welcome to a new episode of ATV Talk and Motorsports Podcast. Please join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We bring you interviews with industry professionals, live events, live news about the motorsports industry in every episode. Enjoy the show. Whether we are out riding with our friends and family or racing in extreme environments, we all need good tires. That's why I recommend GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Greenball Corp. Their products, which include XC Master, Mini Master, and Groundbuster 3, are what leading professionals in the ATV UTV industry are using. You can get your tires at greenballtires.com or find them on Instagram as GBC Tires for further inquiries. Max Lindquist, welcome back to ATV Talk. How are you, brother? Oh, doing good, Leonard. Uh, appreciate you having me back. Always a good time. Oh, dude, you, you know, I really appreciate I know how busy things are, uh, you know, and, and speaking of busy, uh, you got something going on that, that nobody expected right at the moment. Um, you're moving your shop. Yeah. Um, just made it home from the Vegas race and all that fun stuff. And, um, just as a family deal, mom and dad wanted to move. So, um, you know, worked with the whole family and the brothers. So, uh, for me and the process of moving the race shop, luckily, um, not a stupid far distance, just, you know, it's enough to where it's 20 minutes up the road. Uh, <laughs> you know, mom and dad got a new house and, it doesn't happen to have a shop at the house. So I have a shop somewhere else. And, uh, yeah, you forget how much stuff goes into racing until all of a sudden you have to move it all. Um, <laughs> it's inventory. And then like you're sitting there going through stuff and you're like, man, why do I still have this 85 engine from like 2015 that, you know, I probably haven't used in five years. Like the, the amount of things you seem to acquire are quite fascinating. <laughs> And the longer you race, the more and more you'll acquire. Oh yeah. Um, the big thing for me is like we're moving and the shop I'm moving into is similar in size. Um, but my parents don't have near the garage space, like for all their stuff. So like my race shops a little smaller and then I have more stuff coming to it than what was in my race shop before. So the organization is going to have to be on the next level because it's, starting to scratch my head on where I'm putting all this stuff. Uh, so we're going to be, we're going to be herding out some machines pretty soon is where we're getting down to. So, but no, it's been all good. Just a nice tedious process. Well, that's good. How are your hands? Oh man, we're back in business. Uh, so they really uh, come around fast. So the first week it was pretty rough, but I'd say at this point, like I'm pretty much back to calluses and rock and rolling. Uh, so ready to go out and ride an hour and a half again. I mean, maybe with a little different setup. Uh, so a little smoother track would be nice. Um, I, I'm always in for some riding. I, I won't deny that, but that was a little brutal. Uh, so <laughs> Maybe two pairs of gloves, a little tape, um, a little better preparation, and I think I'll be good. That, that would be how I'd have to put that before I ride an hour and a half again. So, so you understand the things I was trying to tell you before the race? Oh, yeah. And then some. <laughs> 
Hey, I never like to take someone of your caliber and tell you, uh, you know, that, Hey, if you don't do this, you're not going to have success because you are a professional and you are very, very fast and you're very talented. So you never want to, you never want to throw that out. Like you're not, you know, or, or insinuate that, you know, Hey, maybe you don't have a grasp on this. Um, but they are two totally different worlds. And, uh, most people have to, to take a little pain before they realize that. Yeah. I mean, I was expecting the unexpected a little bit. Like I knew it was going to be an interesting race. Um, I just wasn't expecting, I guess, maybe like, I don't know how I'd put it. Like I knew it was going to be rough, but it was a different rough. Like our, we get certain races where it's a sandy track and you get big deep holes and it gets rough and rutted. And like, you just really have to use your legs. Like for us, that's the big thing. It's like, don't sit down, like, you know, always use your legs. And it didn't matter what I did there. Um, the high speed stop is what killed me. Like, I never am used to going 60 miles an hour down a straightaway and the handlebars, like you could just watch them vibrate up and down. Like I had no steering vibrator clamps, no flex bars. So like you just had so much more feedback than I was used to. So for me, that was the huge killer. Like I didn't anticipate like having so much feedback in my hands throughout the race. Like even after practice, like, there was feedback, but I was continuously softening up the bike and it was pretty good. But after the dirt bikes and everyone else all day, like that track was so different. It just like totally tore up my hands, <laughs> but you had a good time regardless. Oh, it was a blast. So uh, awesome time. I mean, obviously it would have loved to have done a little better, but I mean, it was a super cool event, like awesome time. The competition was great. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Just uh was really kicking myself with my setup. Uh, so I was riding like, man, I'm so unprepared for this. Like it was like three turns and I'm like, yep, this is going to be a long race. Like I can already feel my hands like this sucks. <laughs> so, but other than that, super enjoyable, super cool time. Yeah, it was. I got to meet your mom. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yeah, so. I got to meet your mom. And uh yeah, she, dude, she's a great lady, you know, super nice. Um super fan of yours, that's for sure. You know. <laughs> yeah. Which is which that's mom, you know, right? Oh yeah. Mom and dad, uh, they definitely take some pride in what we do. Uh, so that's for sure. And mom's definitely all in. Uh, so she definitely supports it and promotes me and pushes me. So no, it's uh always a good thing to have them around. Hey, I asked you this, uh, when you, when I seen you in, uh, Nevada, how, how's your brother's football season going and how did all that work out for him? Uh, they had a really great season. Um, it's all over at this point now, but, um, made it to the final four going into the, the semifinals. So the state championship, it would have actually been, they, they lost to the team that ultimately won state, but, um, yeah, he had a super good year. I mean, I think it was 14 and one was the season. So that's uh yeah, great year. Um, you know, uh, he had some, you know, awesome games and all that stuff. So would have loved to have seen him go to state, but runner up wasn't, you know, 
uh, the final four wasn't so bad. Uh, so definitely a good season for them guys. Well, yeah. Tell him congratulations. And, and that's 14 to one is nothing to shake a stick at. And, and if you get beat by the ultimate winner, it, it, it softens the blow just a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so was your plan um, at the end of the year, always to come uh, out West? Not at all. Um, I would have loved to, but just with um, work and other things like that, how things were going, um, I had wanted to come out West. It just, uh, I, I hadn't, I guess maybe planned on it. It was a hope. It w- was more of a prayer. Um, and then with that other race coming up, um, yeah, just kind of worked out to where, um, you know, the family was able to make it work and I was able to get there and had some things to try out and test. So it just worked out. But, um, up until that point, like I really, I didn't necessarily plan on coming out just to run the works race. Um, but with the huevo steel and then the works on top of it, like that was just another reason to have to come out West. I, I know that I got some of your input from you when we did our live with Walker Fowler on Instagram. Um, your take on the invitational. Super cool event, fun time. Um, totally different than anything we're used to, but overall the competition was great. Gnarly track. Um, but would definitely go back. Right. That most everybody said that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously had its twists and turns and ups and downs with, you know, events changing and things like that. But at the end of the day, like it was a pretty cool format. Um, it definitely, you weren't like, you couldn't go there. There was no one I felt that went there, like expecting what happened and what we got for a track, which was super cool to show up and have no idea what you're going to get into. Um, so for me, that was cool. Um, and you know, just a really fun time to race people I've never raced before. You know, you're racing the top guys from everywhere across the country, not just the motocross. So on that side of things, it was super cool to get to race and meet all those guys. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a crazy event. So had you ever met John Natale before? Yeah, I I've known John, um, just from coming up through the ranks and him obviously being a pro I've, I was at, I was, I'm old enough to where I at least known him, have had a conversation, all that fun stuff, but never had the opportunity, you know, to race him or, you know, your Walker Fowlers and all the GNCC guys. So that part of it was super cool. That's awesome. I mean, for a super fan like myself, uh, you know, I I loved it. I I was just in awe the whole night. Um, Let's get it a little further in depth here you match up with a cross country pro-am rider in your first go around. He's definitely got an advantage of over you during the obstacles. Um, on your second switch, you had a problem. Had a problem on both of them. Uh, so <laughs> that out of the way. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> 
Yeah. Me and the tires don't get along very well. Like that's just plain and simple. Um, but yeah, matched up with, uh, Jeremy Ladon there. Um, super cool dude for a little bit. I met him and know him. Um, definitely a fun eventful race. Um, would have loved to have stayed off my head, but like you were saying there, second time around, um, first lap took off and got hung up on the tires, hit them a little too soft. And then second go around, I wasn't going to get hung up on the tires. So went a little harder at them and went up and over the handlebars. Um, <laughs> and then from there, um, dismounted a charge and just, uh, you know, crossed my fingers. It was going to work out and put together a pretty hot lap on the moto side of the track. And I just don't think he expected me to be there. Like he had such a gap to where I think when we came to that last turn, he just left the door open a little more than he would have, if he known I was there. And I was fortunately enough, close enough to make a quick pass up the inside and, um, take the win on that first round, which was super cool. Um, would have definitely loved to have had a little cleaner race, but it, uh, made it, made it exciting for the fans. That's for sure. Did you get to speak to Jeremy after the, that race? Uh, just a little bit. Yeah. How did, how did he take it? Uh, you know, he was super cool to me. Uh, we didn't talk much, but you know, shook hands. Congrats. Um, I definitely think he was shocked. Like, I don't think he expected me to be there. Um, but he was super cool about it and respectful. So, um, you know, hats off to him. Like he rode a great race. Um, I just got pretty lucky at the end of it. At, at any point on that lap after you came off the machine, did you think it was over? Oh yeah. Like instantly, as soon as I hit my head, I'm like, I'm going to lose in the first round. Like I'm not even going to have a shot at this 10 grand. And I don't know, whenever I race, I've always like, doesn't matter what sport I play. It's, you know, always give it a hundred percent to the finish. And even though I was that far behind, it was like, well, I, I knew like, on the motocross side of things, obviously I had a huge advantage machine set up for it a little faster. Like, so I knew there was a shot I could catch him. I just was more, you know, like I knew the odds weren't in my favor, but, um, yeah, just put my head down and honestly didn't even really focus on him. Just focused on the motocross track and doing everything as good as I could and as perfect as I could. And, um, when it came down to the last two turns, like, all of a sudden I had them in my sights and I knew like the track was super fast and there wasn't many passing opportunities. So I knew like the finish line turn was probably going to be my best shot. And I had to make sure I was going to be close enough to make that happen. Um, so all I did was get as close as I could. And, um, you know, I really thought he knew I was there. And as soon as we came to that turn, like he just gave me the golden opportunity, leaving the door open up the inside. And I was able just to, stay in the throttle a little longer and drive it up inside and pretty much lock it up and shut down the inside of the turn and block them out. And, um, you know, was able to pull off that win, but there was definitely, you know, a few moments where I was kind of kicking myself that I was not even going to make it through the first round of racing. Like I said, in the, in the show, um, in the YouTube version and, and in the audio version, that was the race of the night, really. That set the tone for everybody. The crowd was just so electric and they, and they were screaming when you, when you passed. Um, I didn't get to see all of it. I got to see 
him set up on the outside with it. And I said there was enough room there, but I didn't know if you were close enough to, 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 to stuff it in there. And obviously you were. Yeah. I mean, I was a little nervous cause it was so dusty. Like I really couldn't see where the heck I was going coming into that last turn. Um, all I could see was the tire they had laid out. Like I could just see the outside of the, the tire that we had to go around. And like, I knew if there was a gap like that, that was my only opportunity. Like if there was a gap on the inside of that tire, I had to take it no matter what. Um, and when that, when that, you know, gap showed up, like I just made sure to stay in the gas as long as I could. And luckily I somehow was able to slow down enough to not let them cut back underneath me. Um, and was able to kind of squeak that one out, but definitely uh, a little bit of a heart pounder right there. I had the adrenaline going. That's for sure. Wow. So. That's pretty cool. I, I want to go back to uh, earlier this year. Um, you and I had a conversation. Um, you were in Florida. Uh, you were mending. You'd only been on the machine, I believe, when we spoke one time. Yep. Uh, Daytona was weeks away. Um, has your injury affected you since? No. Honestly, um, as soon as I got back on the machine and obviously a little tender and sore at first, the first couple of days, like, wasn't necessarily myself on the machine, um, just stamina wise, but like really once I got back in riding shape, I, to this day, haven't had any issues with that arm, um, which has been great. Um, yeah, been super fortunate with that. So when you, you weren't in riding shape a hundred percent when you went to Daytona, some, some, the race gods were looking out for you as far as the weather. So that wasn't going to be the same kind of race. Um, how did Daytona break down for you physically? It was a crazy day. I was exhausted. Um, I mean, I did one lap of qualifying and had a stator blow apart in the motor and pushed the machine from the track to the, to the trailer for qualifying for the first qualifier. So I didn't even complete, like I hardly completed a full lap. So I didn't know the track. I was exhausted after pushing the bike back. Um, and then did a complete motor swap in 40 minutes to make the next qualifier. Um, literally like rolled up to the qualifying as the guy, like the first couple of guys were already on the track. Um, and got a couple laps in, was super tight. Like I had no time on the track. So I still had my big tires on at that point. Cause I didn't have time to change them. Everyone else was pretty much on smalls for the second qualifier. So I kind of just did a few laps, learned the track and, you know, went back and went to a setup I had kind of been practicing on and put the smalls on and everything kind of just worked out my favor from there. But Physically, like that was a very hard day. Um, I definitely can't say that was my best day of endurance. That's for sure. Um, my body was pretty beat. Um, especially after the main, like about halfway through that main, um, just, uh, really had to 
mentally focused because my body definitely wasn't where it needed to be, but was able to kind of hang on and do what I needed to, to stay where I was at. And where was that? Well, honestly, I was sitting fourth. Um, luckily, I don't know what happened. Usually I'm not a great starter, but um, pulled off two good starts, both in the qualifier was third out of the gate and ended up second in the qualifier. And then um, in the main came out fourth and pretty much just ran there. Like I ran fourth till the halfway point of the race um, had pressure behind me, but the track was so hard to pass on that. I kind of just like, all I tried to do was basically keep up with the guys in front of me. Like I was just kind of mirroring what everyone else was doing and protecting my insides. Like I went into Daytona knowing I wasn't a hundred percent and I didn't have a ton of time on the machine. So like my goal was just top five, get some good points to start the season and like build, we had a month to build from there. Um, so being fourth, like I was, I was content with where I was at, um, made it halfway through the race and then Hogue had an issue and blew up out front. So that moved me onto the podium, um, in third. And from there, like I actually kind of just settled in. Like at that point, I didn't have a ton of pressure on me from behind. Um, and the two guys in front of me, Joel and Bryce kind of like, Joel had a good gap Bryce, like just out of the roost. And from there, I kind of like just settled in and was good with third. And he kind of pulled away a little bit. And I just happened to luck out that he would make a mistake on the last lap of the race and go over the bars. Um, and I inherited second. So really for me, it was more just about hitting my marks and finishing the day. Um, I really like never had to like push or rate, like, I had people to race. Obviously I was in the, in the mix, but like I never was in a tight battle or nothing. Like it was more just me putting in laps and just consistently hit my marks. The focus that you were under at that point was pretty intense. I'm assuming. Yeah, it was kind of what got me through the day. Um, obviously the body was beat. I had a ton going on between, you know, swapping motors and all that fun stuff. But the one thing that got me through that day was just, uh, the focus was on point, um, had really good starts and just, I went into that race, you know, knowing anything could happen and, you know, believing that if I gave it a hundred percent, like I'd come out with good results. And after those good starts, like that makes it so much easier. And, um, I really just focused on myself. Like I knew with how the conditions were, how the track was like the race was more going to be between myself and the track and making a mistake or doing something stupid. Um, so I knew as long as I would keep it on all four wheels and hit my marks, like I might not have been the fastest guy, but I was sure going to be close. And, um, yeah, it all kind of just like worked out my favor in some crazy way. That I know I seen that you were on the podium and I uh, was happy for you because I had known that through our conversation uh, that you may not be ready. I wasn't even supposed to be riding, to be totally honest. Uh, my date with the doctor to be cleared to be 100% active was two days after Daytona. The doctor gave me the okay to ride. He told me, two weeks before the event, I met with him well, two and a half. And he said, it's your choice. You can ride. He's like, I, I know you're physically strong enough to ride and your arm's going to hold up. 
He's like, but if you have a get off, I'm not a hundred percent guaranteeing that your arms as strong as it should be if you would fall off. So he had said he would suggest skipping the race or rolling it and then getting, getting back to riding after the race. Um, for me at that point, I heard that he was okay with me riding. I just couldn't crash. So (laughs) all I had to do was ride within my limits and not push myself too hard. And I could, I could compete. Um, I'm not one to crash much. So I took a little bit of a gamble. I'm sure my doctor was just shaking his head. Um, but he's a super cool dude and, um, get along to this day. He, he, he was a trainer at my school and all that. Um, so I do him a little bit, but, uh, yeah, it was, um, kind of one of those things where when we had talked, like I was still waiting on that information. Um, I didn't know if I was going to be able to race because the conversation previous to that was, Hey, like, we're going to try and get you healthy by Daytona. Like most likely probably won't be able to race, but you should be able to get back to riding at around that time. Um, and I just, uh, when I went home for that next checkup, I was pretty good about the physical therapy and everything that went with it. And, um, yeah, he kind of gave me the go ahead to like, I was allowed to be weightlifting, doing anything I wanted. He just didn't want me doing anything where I could like potentially, you know, re-injure the arm. Um, but he said, if I wanted to get on the machine and, you know, go put around and, you know, just to collect some points, like I could possibly do that. Um, he just really didn't want to see me get in a crash or of some sort and re-injure. But I got on the machine just to see if I could ride it two weeks before the event. And I got on and I did like a lap real slow. And at that point I was like, this is dumb. If I, if I'm riding, I might as well just be going wide open. So of course I had to push the limits and find out that my arm held up really good. Um, it was a little fatigued afterwards, but like I rode a 20 minute moto and, um, I was pretty good. And I knew Daytona was only a 15 minute race. So from there I, I rode like six, eight more times, something like that. Like I, I rode quite a few days in a row. Um, and me and the doctor were in touch and he's like, He's like, cause I called him right away. I was like, Hey, like I wrote, it went well. Like, what do you think? And, um, I went and actually got x-rays while I was out of town and sent them to him. And he's like, you can keep riding, but I still wouldn't, I would prefer to not see you on the gate lining up to race. And I'm like, well, am I cleared or am I not? He's like, well, I'll clear you to ride. And I'm like, okay, well I'm, I'm cleared to ride. Like I'm going to show up to the race. <laughs> so, um, long story short, we showed up and it all worked out, but yeah. Um, it was a, it was a crazy couple of weeks. How did your conversation go with the doctor after the race? It was a fun conversation for me, um, to kind of tell him that his, his surgical, his surgery went awesome. Um, the arm held up and we were second. Um, I don't necessarily know if that would be what he'd have to say about that conversation. He was probably thinking I was an idiot. Um, <laughs> but he at the same time was like, well, um, let's, you know, follow up and just, you know, make sure you didn't do any damage. So went in and got x-rays after the race a week later and he saw him and was like, well, 
you look healthy. So you might as well, he's like, you've done it once. You might as well keep going. So you look good. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking he wasn't a super fan of what happened, but at least I've had the results to kind of back up why I did it. So I felt a little more okay with that situation. <laughs> so, so let's take it a, a little further we have young listeners and young racers. Um, <clears throat> I know you're a professional. I know you do this for a living. Um, some advice to them for, for injuries and things that they are going to deal with not being a professional. Um, what, what, what would you say to the younger writers? Listen to your doctors. They're pretty smart. Um, I mean, really like for me, um, you know, obviously my doctor, maybe didn't think I should have necessarily been racing, but the only reason I would say I probably was able to race or even at that point where it was a conversation was just, um, you know, doing the physical therapy and going the extra mile to, you know, put in that extra work. Um, obviously key number one is just to stay on the bike and stretch, do what you can to prevent injury. Um, like that's only been my, you know, I've only ever broken that collarbone in my career. Like that's, I've really tried to limit. And that's something I've learned, you know, from other wiser riders too. like try and stay, stay off the ground. You know, if you gotta take a second one day, take a second, like if you don't feel comfortable, like it's good to push yourself to your limits, but you know, not always exceed them, um, push to that point and stay there. But yeah, when it comes to injury, I, I definitely think, um, you know, just keep your head up and stay positive and, you know, try not to push it too crazy. Um, and you know, when you do get the opportunity to get back to it, just, you know, give it a hundred percent effort and, you know, you'll eventually get back to where you want to be. Well, just for, just for grins and giggles sake, make sure that you get your checkups, make sure you, you go to the doctor, do the things that you need to, because speaking from my experience, when you don't go, um, it alters your life. Uh, yeah, I'd agree. Like, I mean, just, um, you know, take the time to take care of yourself. Um, it's something that I'm really learning, you know, even still like just on how to take care of your body, go into the chiropractor and, you know, taking care of your muscles in between races and stuff like that. Like, um, you know, if it, if it's something's bothered you, you know, can't be afraid to go get it checked out and take care of it. Um, sometimes like, you know, definitely sucks not being able to ride, but I'd rather be able to ride for the next 10, 15 years than, you know, a couple of days or something like that. So, um, but yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like get your checkups, do your physicals and, you know, stay in as great a shape as you can and take care of the issues when they seem to pop up before they. That's, that's good advice. That's really good advice. Um, you had kind of an up and down year. You had some successes and some non-successes. Um, looking on to 2023, uh, I did get to see, some new things with your machine and um it was <coughs> excuse me it was really fast um give me uh what you're feeling as you're i i, I know you're prepping for the year 
but, but as you prep, what, what's your feeling going into 2023? I mean, I feel good about it. Um, you know, uh, the past two off seasons I've been hurt, had injuries, had to take care of them. Um, this year made it through healthy and in one piece and, um, you know, taking that time to really put it into the machine and the program and have a few new faces coming aboard and a few changes. Um, you know, big one being bringing in JH racing, um, doing the motors and the shocks, um, as everyone's kind of seen out on the West coast, got to put some of that to the test. And so far, um, you know, having really good results and great feelings about the program and the motor and how that's all going. Um, obviously lots more hard work to be put in and done, but super happy with where we're at. Um, you know, getting, putting the program together and I'll be super excited to see what we come up with for a final product to, uh, bring to Daytona. That's awesome. Uh, are you, I know you're, you've been doing some motor testing, but have you changed up your normal shock setups to where you're trying some new things there as well? Yeah. Um, you know, for me coming off this past season, kind of like you said, up and down year, just, um, you know, don't feel like I necessarily had all the time put into the bike and the machine that I maybe needed to, to come into the year being hurt and all that. And, um, you know, with, uh, Jay Tracen, you know, he was, he's been a huge help bringing me into his, bringing me in and taking care of me. And he started um, doing the shocks which for me has been a really big help. Um, it was something that I needed another, you know, hand with someone that knew a little more about them. Um, I can obviously, you know, ride and kind of tell you what I like and what I don't, but, you know, needed someone that knew a little bit more of the inside to help me out. And yeah, that's definitely a big focus here. This off season is just, um, being a little more prepared, for each and every race, um, rather than, you know, coming in and making adjustments at the track, trying to simulate races, go to tracks that are similar and come up with setups that work at certain tracks and not at others and try to go into the season with multiple setups sitting on the shelf to where, um, you know, we're not such a guessing game when we get to the race, kind of know what we have and what we're up against. Um, so with that, you know, he's been a super big help there, super knowledgeable, um, just, you know, helping me in my program. So I definitely think, um, we'll have, we'll have some, uh, we'll have a pretty good solid program coming into the year. That's excellent. Um, I wanted to ask questions. I know it's starting to get cold, um, I, or it's already snowing, um, where you, where you are, what do you do for riding? Do you get in the truck and drive, um, or are you off the machine right at the moment? Um, so obviously, you know, had that race out there. That was the last time I rode two weeks ago. Um, and at the moment I'm kind of taking some time off with moving and everything. Usually every off season, November is kind of a off month machine wise. Um, usually I try and ride September and October if I have the capability to stay on the machine and just, it's more of a, you know, go have fun and ride rather than like, you know, having to go to the track and do two 25 minute motos and, you know, like, having a routine, like it's more like there's an open ride here. I want to go ride with the buddies and have fun. Um, and then also, you know, now that we're getting later in the off season, like start to motor test and test new parts, shocks, um, just try to 
get a head start on 2023 has been my big thing this year. Like we've done a ton of, we've had a ton of time on the track riding and testing and figuring out, you know, what direction I'd like to go for 2023 um, with the machine and a few things. So yeah, that's more kind of where I'm at is I, I rode a lot, September, October, November. Now we had the race and stuff that was fun to compete in, but from here till mid December, I'll probably take a good time away from the machine and just focus on build season, um, putting together new race machines and freshening up all that practice stuff that I've kind of destroyed over the year. Um, so that's kind of where we're at there. Um, and then hopefully mid December rolls around, I'll get to go and I'll try and travel somewhere and ride for a long weekend or something, do a little more testing. And then, um, from there I'll kind of hang out till sometime in early January. And that's when we'll really get back into the swing of things. Uh, does that mean you'll be heading down to Decker's? Uh, not necessarily Deckers. Um, super cool place. Uh, definitely a good place to go ride and train. Um, I don't necessarily have plans to head there right away. Just gonna, um, kind of do my own thing. I'm going to head a little farther West. Um, thinking being in the Texas area, just to be a little closer, um, with JH and be able to do a little more testing in that area to start the season for a month or two. Um, and then from there, make our way to Florida and do some riding over in that area. That's a pretty good plan. You know, Texas, Texas stays fairly warm. It's still going to be a little, little, little cool in some places. Yeah. We'll be in the Houston area. So shouldn't be too bad more. I feel like it's more of the rain um, that you kind of got to watch out for and some cold nights, but where I'm coming from, as long as there's not snow on the ground, I'll be cool with it. (laughs) Uh, I, I'm sorry you laugh. I laugh, but you know, snow is, is just, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to get into the snow at all. No, no, I, I'm, uh, yeah, I like four wheelers. I try to stay away from snowmobiles. So I'd like to head South. Uh, so I like warm weather. I like to be like the birds migrate. Uh, so have you thought of, have you thought of relocating, uh, to another area, uh, instead of Wisconsin? Um, definitely a thought and definitely something that I could foresee happening in the future. Um, just with just getting out of school and all that, not something that's necessarily feasible for me yet. Um, but it's definitely something even as a family, like we've discussed, um, moving for us, it's more siblings in school and stuff like that still here. Um, but myself personally, like I definitely like to low, you know, move somewhere a little warmer, could ride more year round and be maybe a little more centrally located for all these races. That would definitely be a huge bonus to moving as well. Do you drive all the way back to Wisconsin after every race? For the most part. Um, usually like wintertime, like we'll head down south here, you know, in January and then stay. Um, usually I'll stay on the road till late April, May-ish, just because there's still snow on the ground at home. Um, but usually once there's, once it warms up back home all summer, I pretty much come back and forth. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's about like last year. I think I put on somewhere between forty and fifty thousand miles. 
between all the races and traveling back and forth riding. So it's, it's, it's quite a few. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of miles. Yeah. It, uh, I would love to, you know, start to make that a little smaller and smaller every season. That would be a great, great thing to do. Uh, so the fuel bill would be awesome at that point. <laughs> uh, uh, did you get to watch much of the, uh, quad, the quad cross of nations at, at all? Um, yeah, a little bit kind of tried to pay attention to some of the lives. And then obviously all the videos that I followed, I've went back and been able to kind of catch up on what all happened, but for the most part, yeah, kept tried to keep up in touch with it. What do you think of that event? So I think it's something that pretty much every one of us on that line would love to compete in. Um, <laughs> I mean, I sure know I would like that's, you know, I think that's, if you're a, any kind of racer, that's definitely something that has to be on the bucket list. Looks like a super cool, fun event. Um, great atmosphere. Like to get to go somewhere and represent your country. You can't say you've done that every day. So definitely, um, definitely a cool, cool event to be a part of, I would say. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome stuff, man. Uh, let me ask you this question. Uh, you're still young. Joel is getting a little older, still super fast. Wouldn't take anything away from him. Um, when you were on the West coast, uh, I know you guys didn't go head to head, but how did you feel that with your new package and what you see him riding, how do you feel that you're, you're measuring up? Um, you know, hard question at this point in time, obviously the dude's the champ. Like he's obviously the guy you're gunning to beat, but, um, you know, I really liked where I was, where I was at, obviously had a few mistakes and didn't get the results out West. Maybe necessarily I had a like, but from a, you know, package perspective of the machine and myself, like, you know, obviously isn't going to be easy and definitely, you know, don't know if that's, you know, something that I'll be able to pull off right away would be going head to head with him. But, um, you know, definitely feel like I'm getting closer. Um, you know, we're making, I feel like we're making the right moves and, you know, just inching my way closer and learning more and more as we go. What do you think uh, about if they change the rules to hybrids? I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the hybrid. Um, as long as there's a factory manufacturer in it, you know, um, just, uh, from what we kind of have as a platform on the Yamaha and everything, like I, I'm someone that's had the hybrid. Um, I was still probably one of my favorite machines to the state to ride, you know? Um, but just, um, expense wise, definitely, you know, a, a tough deal. And then I think it would just, I think the competition's so good right now. Like you're the variance in machines. Isn't very much, you know, we're all about on the same platform. And for me, I feel like it makes it more on the rider and the group of people around you that's putting the machine together. Like you're all starting with the same foundation for the most part. And then it's whoever, you know, I feel like right now it's, you know, whoever's taking the time and putting it into the machine and putting in the work, you know, off the machine riding and stuff, um, you know, is kind of who's winning. Um, 
so from that perspective of things, you know, I think that's a really cool part of, you know, the OEMs deal yet is kind of, it's kind of an equal playing ground. I feel like with the hybrid, there's a lot of room to play with some things there. Um, you know, at some point, could it be a possibility that I'd be in for maybe, um, at this point in time, definitely more of a fan of the OEM like frame and cases deal. Just think it's pretty feasible and a pretty good platform and it makes it really interesting racing. That's a good perspective. I think, uh, you know, um, it's almost like spec racing, but it's not everybody can do whatever they want as long as they use, uh, you know, the factory cases, the factory, uh, frame with pivot points and, uh, you know, you can build your linkage or change your shocks or build your motor, uh, you know, to make as much horsepower as you can feel that it's going to keep it together. Yeah. So, that's kind of how I feel about it. Like I like the idea of, like you said, spec racing and all that kind of like our pro stock class, like same kind of concept there. Um, just really like, you know, you have someone supporting the sport with, you know, Yamaha making a machine, like, feel like why not give them the business and, you know, make it interesting. Like it's not very often you go somewhere and everyone's on about the same machine and it just comes down to who's pinching the throttle. Like that part of it to me, I find pretty cool. And then yet the difference in machines, you know, what people choose for products and setups compared to others and how they can all work, you know, what works, what doesn't, uh, you know, definitely a cool at aspect of it too. I think. It is. It really is. Uh, I, I like the, the, the factory platform. I'm, I'm concerned if they go hybrid that it's, it's going to hurt the overall turnout. I, I know Mike Walsh would love for them to be uh, hybrid racing. Um, yeah. I mean, he's so busy now he can't keep up. So um, what's he going to do if, you know, he gets, you know, well, 20 to 25 frame orders, <laughs> you know, that's kind of the conversation even from our, you know, couple pro meetings and stuff like we've had, like, you know, if it's something we're going to do, like, I think it has to be something where there's a good heads up, like, you know, a year or two in advance that it's going to be something we're going to do because like you said, how does, how do these few aftermarket companies provide all these parts and frames for people? Like, you know, I have four or five machines, you know, I have two practice bikes, two race bikes every year. Like if everyone on that pro gate has four machines, you know, we're building a lot of machines here this year. Like, I don't know if that's something that, you know, over an off season would be able to be done. Like, I think you'd have, you know, a lot of people scrambling. Um, and at that point, I just think like, like you said, there's a, it opens up a lot of things that, I don't know. I just think it makes things more difficult than it needs to be. <laughs> so that considering that all these, like you said, all these aftermarket companies, like they're already making these great products for, you know, a, a, a OEM machine, like let alone an aftermarket machine. Um, so from that perspective, like they already have the business, I'm sure it, it's super cool. Some of the things they come up with, you know, like you said, Mike Walsh is a genius. Like he'll build something crazy. Um, but I don't feel like it's something that's necessarily needed at this point in time. I mean, that's a good perspective. I, I, I hope they don't implement it. Um, I know some of the younger writers seem, seem to think that they want to go there. 
but I'm hoping I'm hoping that they don't. I, I know that Works uh, has changed their rule for 2023, and they're going to allow hybrids. Okay. See, and that's interesting because it's still a totally different aspect of racing, like what you're going for. Because like that's a lot of our deal with the hybrids and the motocrosses for a money thing. Like I agree. If you leave the stop, if you leave the, you know, F, you know, that hybrid stock, the motor, like from the dirt bike, like it's not, you know, maybe any more expensive than an OEM platform. But for us, like, it doesn't seem to matter what you're going to run. You're going to build it the best you can and put everything you can into it. So at that point, what are you really, you know, doing where I could see for myself from racing a works race, like I ran a complete motocross setup at a works race. Like I had my pro race motor in the bike. Like I probably had a faster bike than everyone there that I was racing for the most part, like, because you guys are built to have a good running machine, but it has to last for an hour and a half where my machine's meant to go as fast as it can for 30 minutes. Um, Luckily, JH built an awesome machine and it stayed together for an hour and a half and the thing's a beast, but that's not, it's, it was actually too much for what we were doing. Like I could have actually used less motor and been just fine. Um, like I didn't really need all that horsepower. I didn't feel in the, in the sand and the, the works race because it's such a long race and it wears you out where you know, same with like from talking to the GNCC guys, it kind of sounds they're the same way. Like these, these races where you're running a long race, like you can get away with running these stock dirt bike motors and stuff like that because you don't need all the horsepower. It needs to make it. And from that perspective, I could see where that would be an interesting conversation for works. Like I feel like that the circumstances and things are a little different there. Yeah. I, I'm worried that it's going to price itself out of out of existence i i would still agree and that's kind of why i'm against it in the motocross um i think it'll more just depend what you know people decide to do when they go to these hybrids and you know for you guys in your works races like i'll be curious to see if you know they just take and plunk the dirt bike motor in or if all of a sudden you have you know a $10,000 dirt bike motor going in a custom one-off chassis. That's just going to be an animal. Um, you know, that would be where my concern would be too of, you know, it makes it hard for everyone to compete at that point. Exactly. And, and, and that's kind of what I worry about, to be honest with you. Um, you have a handful of guys that are able to race uh, production machines you take those handful of guys working on a shoestring budget and add hybrids to it. Uh, you do those guys, if the hybrids are that much better, if they're that much better, those guys can't, can't go there. Yeah. You know, I they're, mean, they're, they're financially not ready. The only good news from what I've heard and, you know, with some of the guys in the hybrids and a little bit of my experiences, like I definitely, I don't think it's going to be as big of a deal right away. Um, just because there's so much development in the OEM stuff right now. Um, I think it'll be more of an issue two, three years down the road when these guys have had the time to take this hybrid and modify the chassis and figure out how to make it handle with this different weight distribution and, you know, this different motor and the different power spans. Like, that's been the big issue. I know with a couple of the guys 
you know, that I've tried to do it. Like I know Joel Hetrick raced one overseas, like the handling of the machine seems to go away when you put this dirt bike motor in the machine, um, just because of weight displacement and all that other stuff. So, you know, I don't know if right away it's going to be a huge issue, but I could agree. I definitely think as you, you know, as people migrate that way, like you're going to open up the door to a lot of one-off custom aftermarket parts and it's going to get crazy expensive making these machines do everything and anything you want them to do. Kind of like the hybrid Lobo 250R, Lone Star 250R, Walsh 250R. I mean, whoever's it was, Aaron's. I mean, you had just tons of money in your 250R because uh, that's what you needed to compete. Yep. Agreed. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy stuff to think about. So when we, uh, we talk about the pro motocross, uh, group, you know, obviously we've talked about a little about Joel, you and Chad are, are good friends and he's helped you quite a bit. Um, his program is, is pretty solid. It's definitely the best of the best top notch. And I I don't think he's going to get any slower coming out in 2023. No, the dude doesn't have quit in him. So he'll figure something out to go faster. Yeah. I had a conversation with him and he seemed um, agitated that he was number two. Oh, for sure. You're not an eight time for no reason. Uh, So you obviously don't lose at that point. Uh, So I've been around enough to know it's, definitely underneath the skin a little bit. I'm sure he's uh, doing everything and anything he can to not be next year. I, I didn't know that he was riding with an injury. Yeah. I think, you know, it wasn't something that was season long, but it was definitely something later in the year that was, you know, obviously a little bit of a, you know, maybe issue or a problem. I don't think it was anything, you know, crazy. Um, but definitely another thing that, you know, the guy had to work through. Uh, so, but you know, you wouldn't have known. Uh, so it definitely didn't slow him down very much. Right. Right. Um, you, you have some, some fierce competitors in your little circle of, of, of where you guys roll out. You know, you got Nick Janusa, Bryce Ford, Brandon Hogue, uh, you know, and, and you're right in there in that mix. Um, if I'm forgetting anybody, please forgive me, which I think I am Jeffrey. Yeah. Jeffrey. Sorry, Jeffrey. Um, so you, you have that little group right there that, you know, I think Decker's going to be faster next year. Yep. He should definitely be catching up to that group. Um, you never know with Cody, um, hot hot and cold streaks. Definitely a few people that could step up. Uh, So when it, when you break it down, I know that your goal is to be in on the podium at the end of every, every race. Um, you see small changes in some of these programs. Um, if you had to, if you had to pick the one that you feel you're going to have the most trouble with, who do you think it would be? Um, Right now, from what I've seen so far, um, I would probably say, you know, 
your bet has to be Bryce Ford. Um, you know, the kid just went out and won the huevos race represented the USA very well. Won over there. Um, don't know what they're doing, you know, for program wise, but the kids got confidence and that goes a long ways in racing. Um, so I definitely would say like, he's a flashy, fast rider. And if he puts it all together, like he's going to be a really hard dude to beat. Um, between him and then, you know, you, you have your brain and Hogue as well, that he's kind of questionable. Like obviously was the third place rider of the year. Well-earned, you know, did what he needed to do to be there. But now he completely swapped his program, you know, from a Honda to Yamaha new team. Like, um, that's a tough thing to do, but it can also be a great thing. So I think that that one to me is more of the like question mark, um, to be whether, to see how that works out for him, whether it's, you know, something that helps them or something that's going to take a little while to figure out. Um, not really sure, but obviously he'll be fast. So I would think those would be, you know, obviously your Nick Janusas and Jeffrey Australis are going to be quick, but I just think from a like stepping up perspective, you know, those are the two younger guys like me that I would say probably, you know, are, have more room for growth, um, you know, and to figure out a few more things. Uh, so that would definitely be who I would, you know, say would be up towards the front. Well, I haven't talked to Nick lately, but some of the pressures uh, seems to be uh, lifting off of him with his house being done. His father, I believe is getting better. Um, so that means he, he's going to be able to focus more on racing Jeffrey's getting more comfortable with, with running his own program. Um, and I believe he has some help coming in for 2023 as well. So, you know, those are old Wiley veterans. You can't just throw them away. I don't think you can count them out. You know, they're definitely going to have their races. They're definitely going to be a handful. Um, I just, from a pure, you know, um, speed perspective, like, um, your Bryce Fords and your Brandon Hogues would be the two that like I see could potentially be the biggest threat of making a big jump. They've kind of had the flashy moments of showing a great, you know, speed and, you know, good performances. Not that your Janusas and Ristrellis haven't. Um, it's just, they've, you know, maybe had a few races where they're a real standout. And if they could put that together, um, that could be, you know, deadly combinations. And then, like you said, your veterans obviously been there, done it. So they're going to be tough week in and week out because they're, you know, mature and have good programs and, you know, are going to be there to fight it out. Yeah. And there's always the new guys coming in too, that we don't, you know, that we don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely a couple, I think there's quite a, quite a few rookies coming in this year. I'm not honestly sure who's all coming in. Um, you know, they're going to have their ups and their downs. It's part of being a rookie learn learning curves, all that fun stuff. So, you know, definitely could be something that, you know, throws a wrench in the plans of what you're thinking of what to expect. But, um, you know, I think the, I still think the big battle, but it will be, will be between the, excuse me, I can't talk will be between the five of us there um, kind of for, from that seven to three position. Like it's been two years now that we've all been kind of jostling back and forth and there still hasn't been a single person to necessarily break out. 
um, from that group and kind of catch Chad and Joel. And at some point someone's got, someone has to, so I'll just be curious, you know, who figures it out first. It's coming. Oh yeah. Soon. Yeah. It's coming. Uh, you know, Joel's very dominant, very fast. Chad is almost a freak of nature, you know, with his intensity and his drive. Um, but as I've been paying more and more attention to it, the gap is shrinking every year. It is. We're, we're continuously getting closer. I think more guys have led laps now. More guys are, you know, getting starts and pushing the leaders. It's just at the end of the race, those guys still have an edge and still figure out how to be first and second every weekend in and out. And I think there's a few of us that have got a taste of that and are figuring it out. Um, you know, it's just, you know, got to bide your time a little bit and learn it. Um, obviously, you know, those guys haven't had to do the same. So I definitely think it's coming. Um, I definitely think there's going to be some really tight races. Um, obviously Joel and Chad are still going to be in that top three every weekend. Um, it's just going to have to figure out how to be there with them. Exactly. Do you watch any other forms of racing? Um, I try to, you know, obviously the dirt bikes are the biggest one that I really pay attention to. Um, other than that, what I can, you know, every once in a while, you know, a little F1 or the you know, truck series from up by me. Cause that's just close to home. You're Crandon and all that fun stuff. Um, but mostly just the dirt bikes pay attention to, um, you know, your supercross in the winter time and then try and pay attention to the outdoors as much as possible. Uh, who's your guy? Oof. Who's my guy? Mm-hmm. Um, I was always a Dungy fan growing up, um, with him out, you know, um, I like Cooper Webb just, you know, obviously run the same number and think the dude like uh just like the attitude like all business. Uh, so he shows up to doesn't always seem to be the flashiest but seems to put it together and win. Um and then just your Eli Tomac like that dude um he's kind of kind of like our Chad Ween and like just consistently a fast bad dude. Um and then the only other one would just be Ken rocks and the, the dude's got some fight to him. Just all the adversities had to come through like another one that you kind of just have to cheer for. Cause it's crazy what the demand's been through. Uh, so that would kind of be I was speaking to somebody about his injuries and he's technically disabled. Yeah. It's his one arm is it's insane. He does what he does. Yeah. And, and this off season, you know, with the, what he's raced in, um, the supercross over overseas and the straight rhythm that he did. Um, I mean, I'm a fan, uh, but you know, I'm also, a um, a, a USA guy, you know, nothing against Germany, but, I want the Americans to win first. Um, but I've always, you know, just after he's came back, you're just missing one piece of the puzzle to pull Every, it off. And I, yeah. 
and I think it's the arm. The question is like every year you're just waiting. Cause like he has a race or two where he puts it together and then you're like, okay, like, is it going to be the year? And like something always seems to plague him a little bit, but, um, yeah, that would be a dude. Like you said, obviously go USA, but like, that's not a definitely a dude. I don't mind rooting for like, he's so close to like putting it all together and being there. Right. Right. Uh, and you know, I was an anti Tomac guy for a little while when he was riding green. Um, but I watched him ride that Yamaha and got energized again with his skills and his talent and, uh, got excited, you know, because the old Eli was back. I mean, he was, he was having fun and he was riding hard. Yeah. The only one I forgot to would be Chase Sexton, just being from kind of back home, being close, but he's, uh, you just never know with him. Uh, so he's, uh, he's a, kind of a loose cannon on the track. Uh, so freakish fast and then over the handlebars. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but it looks like he's putting it together. Well, he's got stiff competition coming to the team, you know, with jet. So yeah, that dude's another kid from overseas that can definitely ride. Uh, so same thing though. You just never know with them. Uh, so, but I think that's all of us young guys. Uh, so it doesn't matter. That's what I like to watch about it. Like going back and forth, watching like me and jet are the same age. I think he's like within, you know, months and like, you know, crazy to see, you know, where those guys are at and the mistakes they make, like it's all similar. It's all a learning curve. Uh, so it's crazy how fast everyone can be and what the littlest things make a difference. So you're 19, right? Just turned 19. Yep. Yeah. You're still a baby. Oh yeah. Still a baby. And this is going on your third pro season. I'll be going into my yeah third pro season. Wow. That's, that's, that's pretty impressive for as young as you are thinking, just think that you could race till you're 40. Yeah. It's insane. Almost 25 years in the pro class. Yeah. Uh, so Bo Barron could be your dad. Uh, we always say that about Chad. I mean, <laughs> right? he's double my age. Like, up until uh, still, you know, he's the dude's twice my age. Like it's crazy. Uh, so, and that's back to the huevos. Like that was cool. You know, racing John Natale, he's the same age as my dad. So 47 years old or something like that. Like, you know, these guys could be your parents, like, and you get to go out there and race all of them. So cool. Uh, so I, I was impressed. Natale. Uh, he's always been a physical specimen. But he still looks like. Oh, yeah! I want to know what he's doing uh, to stay looking so young. I mean, he's physically fit. He's not too gray. He seems strong, talented, ready. In the after interview, uh, when we were walking through the through the pits, he said, uh, "I'm coming back." I'm like, oh, great. Hey, no problem, brother. <laughs> I, I think that uh, you got something for him for the first half of the moto. You better train if you want to ride that second half. 
Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, can't count them out, that's for sure, but definitely uh, won't be easy. <laughs> so. uh, you know, I think that uh, the short spurt races like that, um, I, I don't think his age would be a factor. No. A 20, a 22 minute ride, um, at the level that you guys are riding now, which he was there. Um, it, it might be that age might be a factor there. Yeah. I would just be curious, like hand-eye coordination and things like that after 40 always slows down and stuff like that. I'd be curious if he notices a difference or not. Um, you know, not saying he does or doesn't, but would just be something I'd be curious into, like how that would play effect into things. So didn't seem to bother him much for a sprint race. So, but you know, you just see it in all sports. Like, you know, unfortunately it seems to be the older you get, the more you slow down a little bit. Unfortunately, as you get older, you get smarter and wiser. So it kind of balances out, but um, yeah, would be curious on that. Eichner was in his was close to fifty when he quit. Was he that old? Yep. Okay. So it's obviously possible. Um, and when he was racing all the time, if he would have kept racing at that at that level physically, I mean that the, the last crash that that really took him out uh, injured him to the point where his. Uh, you, you know, when you're off the machine long enough, it just doesn't come back if he could have stemmed, you know, fought off that, uh, crash or, or, uh, recovered faster, he might not have lost what he lost, but he's still a super talented rider. You know, when you go ride with him on the trails and stuff, yeah, see you later, Doug, you know, but, uh, you watch him in the dunes, he can still ride. He's ridden some off-road stuff. Um, still talented, you know, not the same speed, but still very, very talented. You don't lose the talent. No, just lose that little bit of an edge is what it seems like. It gets harder to push that little extra bit. So, and make the turns. So did, did uh, you see Joe bird at the race? Uh, yes. Briefly. He, looks like a, he looks like a linebacker. Yes. <laughs> like he played football. Yeah, he doesn't look like he doesn't look like he was that, that little that skin skinny thin uh, motocross racer. You know. Yeah, I, I, don't know how, I don't know how he did it. Must have been on a serious diet because, yeah, that's a big frame. Uh, so, but Chad's kind of the same way too. When I think of it, like seen some pictures when he was young and stuff and like he's in that same boat like just the dedication that and the diet and everything that goes into it like they make it work Uh, so man the sacrifices that those guys make to to because of their frame you know wow yeah unbelievable you're still 19 you can almost eat anything you want and and it doesn't affect you correct Uh, for the most part. Uh, So you can definitely like to the point where I can definitely tell differences in things you eat, um, especially before races and like hard workouts and things like that. Um, just cause I've tried to diet and be clean. And when you're not, 
it just doesn't go so well for you. Um, but for the most part, like you can pretty much eat what you want and be, you know, almost as good as you are any day. Um, for me, it's like recovery and things like that. Um, like depending on what you eat, I notice, you know, my body recovering faster with certain foods and other foods and not fatiguing as fast. Let me ask you that question. I mean, at, at, at youth, as far as recovery for you comes so much faster than it does for an, for, for a, an older rider. What are the things that affect your recovery the most as far as eating sugars or, or, or what have you? Um, like I would go more along those lines. Like, you know, you're very, like you said, like processed, like, um, you know, more of your like red meats are slow, like not the greatest kind of like upset the body a little bit, you know, um, things like your everyday like pizza or like if you would stop at your normal fast food joints, like if I were to eat something like that after a day of riding, um, compared to, you know, going home and having, you know, maybe like some grilled chicken and a salad or something. Um, I noticed that to be the biggest difference. Um, especially you like, um, and it might just be more something with my body and dairy, but like if I have dairy, um, and then go to ride the next day, like I never feel as good. Um, I don't know what it is with it just seems to really bother me. So it's something I try and stay away from. Um, you know, like if I would go have an ice cream cone or something like that, say, um, it's just not going to go so good for me the next day when we're trying to do some kind of high intensity physical activity. Um, just not going to have the endurance. Um, just never seem to feel, feel more lethargic after eating something like that. Really? The red meat seems kind of odd to me. Uh, I guess it's better if you're doing a, a heavy physical sport versus yep. a, a, a lean endurance sport. Yeah. Um, something just that, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, just always kind of another, like more of a lethargic thing. Like, don't seem to necessarily like be as energized and like as physically on point when I'd eat something like that compared to your greens and things like that. Really? That's the the plant-based thing or the the vegetable based thing. it, It always throws me for a loop because I just don't seem to have the energy when I eat more when I try to eat less, uh, protein, you know, per se. Yeah. Um, a lot about what you eat when you do it is all I've learned about it. Um, you know, it was something I did for a year and a half was the complete vegan deal. Um, I ate red meat and all that before that and couldn't stay away from it. So like, I still do a lot of chicken and, white meat, try not to really do any red meat, um, just cause it doesn't sit with me the best. Um, but yeah, like, um, when I finally like 
if I did it right, like it's a very, I think it's a very touchy like diet. Like there's a lot that goes into it between taking the right, you know, vitamins and like eating the right foods all the time. Like it's much harder to get your proteins out of that diet. So I think it's a lot of what you're eating in that diet. Like, are you, you know, having enough nuts and like pro, you know, different kinds of proteins that don't involve meat. Um, I think it's very hard for most people cause it's, you know, it's really hard to intake enough food, um, with a high enough amount of protein for yourself. Like you said, it, it's a lot easier to go eat a piece of meat and get, you know, so much protein from it than eat a bowl of leaves. Like if you're not getting near the protein, so you have to, you know, eat different foods and different things to make up for it. Or protein supplements and things like that. Yep. Protein shakes. Like that was a big thing. I did that diet. Like you'd have some kind of protein shake in the morning to make, you know, just to get yourself going with all that. Um, cause you, you're definitely not wrong. It's definitely something like if you don't do the right way, like you're, you're definitely going to deplete yourself a little bit of a few things. Wow. That's, that's, that's something that's changing and the, and the dietary stuff is starting to affect you guys younger and younger, um, where, um, years back, the young guys didn't worry about it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's more just our day and age. I mean, just sports in general, football, basketball, like I just think with, you know, the technology that is available to us, I think everything at a younger age is taken more seriously and more, there's more effort put into it. I would say, um, not that there wasn't before, but there's more, you know, viable research on what to do and how to be successful than maybe there was back in your day. Um, cause I know even, you know, me and Chad, have had that conversation of, you know, diet and things like that from what he was doing compared to what I'm doing at my age. Like it's not very similar. Um, so, but I think you just see it everywhere with sports, you know, all the different exercises and routines you can do for your body, you know, ice baths and different things, um, that probably weren't something that kids did, you know, 15, 20 years ago, really. That ice bath thing just blows my mind. Oh, what it does to your body. Yeah. It, oh man. In between motos, like if it's hot out, like it's almost like you, you just have to like it. It's crazy how like energized your body gets from that. Is it get in the ice bath, you know, sit there at the time, get out, get dressed, go to the line type deal. Usually for me, I'm more of a, like after the moto, I try and get it out of the way. Like I try to do it as soon as possible, like to kind of recoup, like come off from your first moto, you know, super hot beat, like your body's exerted. Like, I feel like I try and get in that ice bath as fast as possible to like, let my body recoup as fast as possible and then have time to like chill back out before I have to go back out for a moto. Like I usually try and take an ice bath, like chill out, have something to eat, like totally relax my body. Well, you know that, you know, that the ice thing is not new. No, it's not real. There's footage of LaRocco getting in a, <laughs> getting in a 55 gallon barrel years it's, and years ago. 
it's crazy though, what it does for your body and like how I like how many more people take to it. I feel like, like how much more of a common thing it is. And, um, you know, kind of like your, what is that Epstein salt baths or whatever? Like I know after football, like that was something that you just do. Um, you know, I just think there's a lot of, like, I think there's a lot more ways for, you know, young kids, my age to be able to like help their body. And I think it's, you know, another reason why you see guys make like Chad make it so long too. Like they're digging into that research and, you know, learning how to keep their body at its best for that long. Well, there's a cold shower deal where, uh, every morning you get up and take a cold shower instead of a, a warm shower. And it's supposed to be really healthy for you. I've heard of it. Uh, so yeah. Not hey, dry, but I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah, I deal with this guy. I do business with this guy and he's been doing it for over a year. You know, he said he loves it. Now it's just getting a shower. It's no big deal. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You keep doing that, bud. Uh, not me. Oof. I like a nice warm shower in the morning to wake up. Like, man, that would be rough, but I've heard the same thing and seen the research on it. Like it, it makes sense. Like it, basically doing the same thing as an ice bath's doing just right away in the morning. So yeah, I don't know what, maybe as I get old, something I get into, but at this point in time, I don't know. I'm a pussy. I ain't going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Unless that physical therapist or, or I get a trainer or something and they say, yeah, this this is what we're going to do from now on. Um, but yeah, right now, no way, not going to happen. Yeah. Nope. So any parting thoughts for the up and coming riders in 2023? Uh, as in rookies, anybody. Oh man. Um, you know, just, um, you know, do what you can to prepare. Um, you know, come in as a new season and set your goals, set them high and, you know, put in the work to get there. Uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully we pray for no rain and nice sunny days and races. And, um, yeah, hopefully everyone puts in the work and does what they can to do their part and hopefully everyone stays safe. Uh, so try and, um, you know, get faster while staying on the machine. Uh, so push yourself, but you know, don't go too far beyond your limits. Just slowly work yourself into it. That's a good thing, sir. Hey, I really appreciate you taking some time with me. Um, I will get you some information. And um, if you have anything that you need to release or get out to the, to the fans, uh, please reach out to us. We'll be more than glad to make that happen for you. Yeah, I appreciate that. We'll uh, definitely be in touch as the season rolls around with um, some some updates and some cool things. Um, going to have some different additions to the program and some more things going on. So we'll definitely have to sit back down here uh, before the season starts. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. 
with over 17 years experience. Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. If you're in need of a consultation for your current racing program, a custom ATV, or an industry guest speaker, I have the company for you. Duncan Technologies International Inc. offers host, MC, and guest speaking services at events, builds custom ATVs for recreational riding or racing around the world, and they offer consulting services for professional teams or individual racers. Send inquiries to Duncan Tech International at gmail.com or call 619-716-1532 for more information. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, don't forget to share us with your family and friends. The podcast is available on all streaming platforms and you can find us on social media as ATV Talk Podcast. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Rumble, and Twitter. 